Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler. My guest today is Green Party uh, member Howie Hawkins. Howie has run against Andrew Cuomo three times on the Green Party line. And he's here to discuss, you know, the um, uh, running against Cuomo. So, Howie, when this when this uh, story fro- first broke, you weren't surprised? About the allegations of sexual harassment and assault? Uh-huh. No, it kind of fits his personality. I think I told you on a show, he lost his girlfriend, and he's, I thought I was at first putting it down to he didn't know how to relate to women. It was, you know, crude out of Sylvester's way of trying to build a relationship or the way a guy that's always sort of had his way, always been at the top of the power structure. But that's no excuse for what he did. And now that the right. Fisher James report has come out, it is devastating. I mean, he hasn't got anybody defending him now. I think he's on his way out. He just hasn't admitted it to himself. So you think he? Uh, the bottom line is he didn't know how to relate to women in a in a decent fashion. So that's the way he would relate to a woman, which caused him to get in trouble? Well, it seems that all these incidents started after his girlfriend left him, or they, they parted ways, and apparently had that girlfriend pretty soon after he divorced that uh, Kennedy woman. So right. that was just my, you know, speculation, not knowing him really, that he just didn't know what he was doing out there, and and that's not the way to build a relationship. So, wow. I, you know, that's just, that's just sort of a hunch. But what he did is consistent with the way he treats staff and people generally, you know, from a position of dominance and intimidation and ridicule. And with lieutenants like Joe Prococo, I've seen some of Joe Prococo's, you know, mm-hmm. phone messages and text messages. Uh, and, and if that's the kind of person that Cuomo hires, to tell people to get in line, uh, this this uh, sexual assault and harassment stuff is very consistent with that. So it's not surprising. So do you think that the controversy surrounding the book deal and the nursing homes is less egregious than these allegations that these women are making? I don't know if you want to rank how egregious they are. Certainly sending elderly people with COVID infections back into nursing homes and then cooking the data on COVID infections 
is pretty egregious. Um, I think the sexual assault and harassment uh, allegations are so graphically portrayed in this report. And now you've got victims coming forward. Um, I just saw an excerpt from an interview with one of the people that was working in his office. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all this is coming out. hes I don't see any way for him out of this. I think he just, he's going to realize it himself, and one of these days he's going to resign. So do you think ultimately he thought that he was above the law and nobody would would touch him, right? Yeah, I think he thought he could get away with it like Trump did. But New York is not the federal government. You know, Trump got, you know, all those allegations before he went into the 2016 election, you know, him on tape saying, you know, he he grabs women's <clears throat> private parts. He can do it because he's rich and famous. Um, you know, that Trump, you know, it justified. I think uh, Cuomo thought, you know, he could survive it like Trump did. Or like, you know, a lot of these politicians have, that that Virginia governor that was, you know, pictures came out of him in blackface next to a somebody dressed up as a Ku Klux Klansman. As right. A college fraternity thing. You know, he survived that. I think that's what Cuomo figured. But, but this James report, 165 pages, is devastating. I mean, I can't even read the whole thing. It's just... You know, it's so disgusting what, you know, people accuse mm-hmm. Cuomo of doing. So I think he doesn't have so, a way out. So you ran against him three times on the Green Party line. Can you give our listeners a little overview of of your impressions of him in 2010, 2014, and 2018? Well, in 2010, you know, he was being the fiscal conservative, and I was talking about how progressive tax reform could cover the deficit and fund what I call the Green New Deal, which was both what they're talking about now, climate investments and the care economy. You know, in in the case of New York, it's schools, child care, tuition-free public college, and so forth. and we didn't have really a direct confrontation on those issues because there were eight of us on the stage. And after Cuomo came, Jimmy McMillan, the rent is too damn high guy, who was kind of mm-hmm. comic relief. And in, and before Cuomo was Paladino, who was a thuggish right winger, even more so than Trump. Right. And then Charles Barron, who uh, was running on the Freedom Party trying to build a black-based party. He and I were sitting together. We were the closest politically. And then to the left to me was the Manhattan Madam and then the Libertarian. So it was hard to have a direct confrontation. In 2014, there's only four of us on there. And I was next to Cuomo. So the Republican would attack him. He'd defend him. Then I'd attack him from the left. And I called him like he shut down the Moreland Commission, saying it was independent. Then when he shut it down, he said, it's my commission and covering up a bunch of stuff. So I was able to get my blows in really good in 2014. And I got 5% of the vote that year. And that was the year he wanted to run up the vote, get more than his father ever got, Mario Cuomo, get more than he got when he was first elected in 2010. 
and he got less. And then he kind of flipped. He's no longer the fiscal conservative. He's what he called the pragmatic progressive. And we got, he came around to things we've been demanding he'd never supported before, like a ban on fracking and a $15 minimum mm-hmm. wage. So then in 2018, his strategy was not to debate me and uh, only to debate the Republican Marinero and, uh, or Molinero. But I did run into him in Central Park. MSNBC was having sort of a corporate anti-poverty program. There's a big stage, entertainers. And so those of us that were the independent candidates, the three of us, the Libertarian Larry Sharp, uh, the woman that was the former mayor of Syracuse running on a Serve America movement, mm-hmm. whose name is Stephanie Minor. Um, right. And they gave each of us, they said two minutes, but then they cut down the speeches we submitted to one minute. I took my, I took my damn two minutes once I had the microphone. But MSNBC cut away from us to a human interest story about some Olympians, I guess twin, Olympic twins that both got pregnant or something. Anyway, mm-hmm. so we didn't get on MSNBC. And Cuomo got his own five minutes separately. I think they used us as bait to get Cuomo to come. Because when we agreed, he still hadn't agreed to come. So anyway, I give him my speech, and I'm leaving the stage and walking behind it. And here comes Cuomo through his own security gate. And I said, Governor, I'm looking forward to our next debate. And for the first time, he really looked at me like he got to talk to me. And his brow furrowed, and he said, what debate? And I said, we should have a series of debates. And then he realized it wasn't a debate. And so then he said sarcastically, what are you going to do, organize them? And turned and walked away. And I, I tried to organize them. The League of Women Voters did hold the all-comers debate, didn't get on TV. Cuomo didn't show, but the Republican did, and the three of us that were third party showed up. So, you know, when, I, when we shook hands at the end of the 2010 and 2014 debates, I don't remember what he said in 2010, but I know I said something to him, but he turned on his heel and ignored it. In 2014, he said he respected me, and I said, well, good, let's have another debate. But he didn't answer that. He turned on, just turned away. So he didn't really engage personally with any of us. You know, I've been in a lot of campaigns, and, you know, candidates go through a lot. There's a certain camaraderie, you know, because you're going through the same trials and tribulations. But Cuomo was not one to relate to just riffraff like me. So that's my impression from my three little encounters with him. So when did he when did he raise the bar for third party candidates? What year was that? That was April last year, April twenty twenty. Okay. And what he did was get a law passed under the cover of the COVID lockdown, attached to the state budget, triple the votes we need to keep the ballot, uh doubled the frequency from every two four years to every two years. Uh, triple the number of signatures we need to get back on the ballot if we lose ballot line, and quintuple yeah. the number of signatures we need to get in half the congressional districts on that ballot petition from 100 to 513 different congressional districts. And it's that distribution requirement is the way they knock off most statewide petitions. So now New York has the most difficult ballot petition requirement of any state in the nation, 45,000 signatures in 42 days. And as far as I can tell, it's not just the most difficult state in the nation. It's the most difficult of any nation in the world. 
I can't find a petition that is so onerous. Now, I can't read all the languages on on countries' websites, but checking the English language uh, websites, um, I can't find anything that comes close to what they require in New York. So, you know, his purpose was to wipe out the Green Party, I believe. The media narrative is, oh, he doesn't like the Working Families Party. But after November 2020, when all the parties were wiped out except the two big fusion parties, Working Families always endorses the Democrats, Conservatives always endorse the Republicans, and those of us that actually run our own candidates were wiped out. And he said, uh, I think on uh, Capitals of Night or one of those programs, that's what we intended all along. And so did Jay Jacobs, the executive director or chair of the state Democratic Party. He said, mm-hmm. yeah, we weren't trying to get working families or conservatives. We were trying to get, Jay Jacobs called us the transactional parties, which I find offensive because the Greens, we run on a program, we run our own candidates. These fusion parties are the ones that cut deals. So anyway, yeah, we've got a hell of a job trying to get back on the ballot next April and May when the petition is done. 42 days, we need 45,000 good signatures, which really means you try to get double the requirement so it's hard to challenge. That's over, uh, you know, 90,000 is over 2,000 signatures a day. In April and May, you've got to count for bad weather. The last few days, you've got to assemble the petition, document your distributional requirement of 500 signatures in 13 congressional districts. It's a monster job just to get on the ballot. Would you say it's insurmountable? I never give up. <laughs> it's very difficult. I don't think it's insurmountable. But the Greens okay. are going to have to raise at least $100,000 because we're going to have to pay petitioners to go out and, and get all these signatures. So we, we're starting to do that. But it's a, it's a big job. Are there that many Greens in the state of New York that you could get signatures from? Well, they're, in terms of formal enrollment, it's about 25,000. Uh, but we always get votes and signatures from people who aren't enrolled in the Green Party. You know, most people say, yeah, I want my choices on the ballot. They will sign those petitions. It just takes a lot of time to track people down and get those who will sign the sign. Right. Right. When you're, when you're getting petitions, I'm sorry, when you're getting signatures to be on the ballot, you need specifically people enrolled in your party to sign the petition, right? No, these are independent nominating petitions because we don't have a ballot line anymore. We've lost it in the November election. We needed 174,000 votes. That was 2% of the total in the presidential election. Okay. In, before that, the standard was 50,000 votes. So it more than triples right. the number of votes you need. And in a presidential year, it's only the presidential race that counts. And that's the one where the people are the most reluctant to vote third party because the stakes are so high. So they, they vote for the lesser evil, even though they like the Greens better. You know, most of those people voted for Biden. So it was a tough year for us in those presidential elections and gubernatorial elections as well. Most states have a statewide uh, vote 
requirement, but it's for any statewide office. So a lot of times people see the governor's race as high stakes, but they'll go down ballot and vote for a green for, you know, state comptroller or attorney general or uh, some some states have uh, uh, the public college board of trustees. You know, there are, there are a number of states. There are education commissioners in some states, public uh, service commissioners. So there are a lot of races where you can reach that threshold. In New York, it's only president or governor. And uh, that's harder for third parties because that's where the incentive to vote the lesser evil uh, is the strongest. So, in other, in, in other words, to qualify to have a ballot line for the next election cycle, you need 150,000 votes? Well, the law says 135,000 or 2%, whichever is greater. In 2020, okay. 2% was just under 174,000. The turnout may be lower in 2022 for governor, but it's still likely to be 2% is likely to be much higher than 135,000. So, yeah, first we got to get this petition done, and then we got to meet that vote threshold. And then we'll have a ballot line for two years instead of four years. It used to be four years. You, you do it during the gubernatorial year, and you're huh. on the ballot for the next four years. Okay. Now it's just two years. So you have to redo that, that whole process every two years. But if if Cuomo is to either be removed or he resigns, then the next governor can rewrite all the rules, right? Well, it has to pass the legislature. The election law okay. was changed by the legislature. And Cuomo signed the bill, even though he was the moving force behind that. I just testified before the New York State Senate Elections Committee on Wednesday, and I called him out for that ballot access law. I was looking straight at the chairman of that committee, and his eyes diverted. Because I said, you know, you created the most difficult ballot access process in the nation and probably in the world. And I don't know, you know, what we want is some progressive legislators to put in a fair ballot access law and we can make that a campaign issue. So that's one of our goals in 2022. Now, who did you address that to? Who was the representative that you addressed that to? Well, the chair of the uh, Senate Elections Committee is Zellner Myrie from Brooklyn. Okay, and he's the guy that shepherded it through committee and on to the legislature last year. So he pushed that bill. And he knew I knew, and he knew I knew it wasn't a good thing he did. Wow. So ultimately, what do you think is going to happen? With ballot access? Uh, with ballot access, with the uh, fate of Cuomo. You know, what's in store for New York now that Cuomo's in all this trouble? Well, Hochul's going to take over as a caretaker. I don't see her becoming the nominee. I don't see the state Democratic Party rallying behind her because she's from Buffalo, and the, the strength of the party is New York, 
That's where the money is. She just doesn't have the connections that I'm aware of. She was always a pretty conservative Democrat from Western mm-hmm. New York. So mm-hmm. I think the field's wide open, and you're going to see probably the progressives put up a candidate, the establishment put up a candidate or two, and so there'll be a Democratic primary. Okay. And what what do you think is going to happen if Cuomo weathers the storm and he decides to break his father's record and run for run for a fourth term? Well, I assume that's what would happen until the Fitzjames report came out. You know, as a hypothetical, it'd be good for the Greens because Cuomo is such damaged goods. We'd get a lot of votes just as a protest vote and probably enough votes to pass that threshold that uh, he set up. So, you know, for the Greens, he'd be the easiest candidate to run against. But uh, wow. I think he'll be gone by that time. Provided you get enough signatures to get on the ballot, right? Yeah, that's the harder hurdle, getting those signatures. The vote mm-hmm. is tough. But especially if it's Cuomo. If it's Cuomo, we'll get the votes. But I don't think it's going to be him. So when the, when all these scandals first hit, uh, you had run against him a number of times. Were you surprised? Were you surprised all this came out? No, because there have been scandals around him the whole time. I mentioned Joe Percoco who's in prison for taking a bribe to get a, you know, gas-fired power plant permitted down there in uh, the CVP, uh, Community CPV, Community Power Ventures, uh, you know, down in the Hudson Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just one of many. You know, the, the way he handled the Moreland Commission and the corruption. You know, when the investigation started getting toward him, you know, he shut it down. And, uh, you know, Preet Bharara seemed to be, you know, headed toward his way. But uh, Trump got rid of Bharara, or Barrera, however you pronounce it. And, right. Uh, so he weathered that one. I mean, he's had a whole bunch of things. You know, he's tried to suppress reports that didn't come out the way he wanted, you know, going back to the fight over fracking. It's been one thing after another. And, you know, he's tried to bully his way through, well, has bullied his way through state government. Um, so this has been going on the whole time. So I was not surprised when he was doing those briefings that cable news was covering live. And right. In contrast to Trump, he sounded rational. But then that state legislator uh, started pointing out, I think his last name is Kim, he's Korean, started pointing out right. that, Sick people are being sent back to the nursing homes, and it's killing people. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we know what Cuomo told that guy. According to that guy, you know, no, we don't have independent verification, but what that guy said is consistent with what we know about Cuomo. Cuomo said, you know, back off or I can ruin your political career. That's the way he right. handled things. Uh-huh. So... um 
it's it's going it's going to be really interesting. Uh, so if Cuomo survives, you would be Shaft, right, Howie? Yeah, I'd be surprised at this point. I mean, his own, you know, uh, Melissa DeRosa just resigned. I mean, she right. was for 10 years a very loyal, and according to the Tish Change report, you know, was going after these women that uh, brought these allegations forward. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if she's leaving, everybody's leaving. He's got nobody in his corner. I just don't see how he can survive. Well, there's an old phrase that said, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, right? Yep. Now tell me this. Donald Trump's treatment of women is so much more egregious than Cuomo. But yet, Donald Trump's base is sticking by him. Why do you think Cuomo's base is not? Well, Cuomo's base are Democrats who, although I have my criticisms of them, have some basic ethics. Republicans don't. You know, they, I mean, they've lost touch with reality. You know, climate change isn't happening. COVID isn't happening. Don't get your vaccines. You got governors in seven states telling school districts you can't impose, you can't implement a mass mandate as these kids come back to school with the Delta variant rampaging. You just heard this morning, 20% of the kids they tested in Florida, school-aged kids, are COVID positive. Wow. These people, you know, are real danger. And uh, it's irrational. You know, the evidence right before their eyes doesn't seem to make a difference. Mm -hmm. I think some of them are, you know, they, they want an authoritarian in charge so they know, you know, what to do and who to follow. Uh, but then there's another part of the base supporting the Trump wing for very self-interested reasons. Some of them are super rich right-wingers who don't want to pay any taxes. Some of them are more middle-class small business people who also don't want to pay taxes. And they think, you know, this Republican right-wing is uh, – in their interests, even if uh, it's crazy on climate and COVID and, you know, evolution. I mean, you can go right down the line. It, it goes mm-hmm. in touch with reality. Do you think that the Democratic Party without Cuomo would be so weakened that the Greens could possibly win the governorship? Not yet. You know, the Greens, to win the governorship, we've got to elect people to the state ledge and to Congress, you know, from those districts so that we're a major force. You know, even, you know, a famous good candidate in a race between a Democratic candidate and a Republican the media is oriented to the two parties, even though the Republicans don't have they don't they have as less chance of winning the next governor's race as the Greens do. It's not going to happen. This is state two to one enrollment for Democrats. Mm-hmm. So okay. you know we're not there yet, uh, and we won't okay. be until 
we elect a lot more people locally and then from there to state legislature and Congress. And then voters will see us as a real force and a realistic option for something like governor. Okay. So, Howie, our time is just about up. And as this whole drama unfolds, I'd like to have you back on Focus on Albany to share your thoughts about, you know, impeachment or resignation or what, what, what might happen. So you've been listening to Howie Hawkins, Green Party candidate. He ran against Cuomo three times. I'm Cynthia Pooler. This is Focus on Albany. If you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Howie, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and I love your accessibility. Um, We'll talk again soon, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.